Hi, everybody. This is Tony Khan, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. And I've got to tell you, we are creating another first. As you may know, we've adopted a cutting-edge technology. Basically, it's a baseball cap with a tiny little microphone put into the visor, which was discovered is the perfect microphone for the Morning Stories style. Well, now the inspiration behind all of this, our engineer, Antonio Oliart, has suggested that uh, since we've got the hats on, why should we even go into the studio? Let's just record here in the editing room. Anyway, today's story is about firsts, the kind of firsts in our lives that we never forget. First love, first heartbreak, first day of school. Today's storyteller, Betsy Bunn, lives in Boston, and she came in the other day to tell me of her first day in school, long ago and in another place. A day for her of first love and also a first heartbreak. We call her morning story, Marshall Jr. and Louise. We always woke up to the smell of coffee and bacon. I remember waking up to that and uh, getting out of bed and brushing my hair a hundred times because that's what you had to do. Mama had helped me put out my clothes the night before, so I got into my little blue checkered dress. I remember this day as if it's carved in my head. And um, put on my shoes. Mama put ribbons on my hair. I was the youngest in the whole family, even counting the dog and the cousins. I was so excited. Going to school was going to be entering a big world, uh, being able to cross the street, uh, being a big kid at last. You know, and then I'd walk with Meg and Jerry and Marshall Jr. and Louise, and we'd all go to school. And I wouldn't be the little kid left behind. Marshall Jr. was a year older than my brother, and Louise was a year older than me. And we, we were best friends. We live in a college campus. We were allowed to go to these big bonfires twice a year at the college. And uh, afterwards, we could sleep over at each other's houses. We played cowboys and Indians. Louise and I always had to be the squaws, uh, but it was the way we got to play. And uh, Mama said, now, Missy, you look just fine, and now Daddy will walk you to school. So I handed Daddy my hand, and we went, we went off to school. And I remember, too, because I had to run to keep up because my daddy had big, long legs. And I didn't want to run, because that wouldn't look like I was a big kid. So I skipped. I can remember skipping, because that looked okay. That looked like I was having a good time. So we skipped school, and he took me in and introduced me to my teacher. Her name was Miss Wilcox, and she smelled like roses. And uh, I had my own desk. And I I looked around the room, and I knew about half the kids, because they either went to our church or their parents worked on the faculty. So I could hardly wait for recess, and Miss Wilcox came, and she told us that we would go down and that we would play with half of the first and second and third grades for 20 minutes. So I started to walk around to look for Marshall and Louise. Find what they'd be in that half. But I couldn't find them. So 20 minutes went, and I went back into class. And we did spelling, and that was exciting. It was a good day. Things were going well. Then lunch came, and I thought, okay, I can find Marshall and Louise now. I walked all around the playground. It was really hot. The sun just blistered down from the sky, and it came up from the concrete, too. I remember just feeling squished. I saw a couple of the church kids, but I couldn't find my friends, Marshall and Louise. So the bell rang, and I went back in. Um, And then it was 2.30, and my sister was there to walk me home, because she was 12. And then we got almost home. And I said, Meg... I didn't see Marshall Jr. and Louise. Can we stop at their house? She said, no, I don't think so. 
Besides, I have to go to the bathroom. Come on, let's race. And so she took off. And I remember I ran after her, and then I felt all hot and tired and little again. And I tripped going up the stairs, and I got in the kitchen, and Mama was there, and there was lemonade, this pink bubbly pitcher. And Mama said, well, well, here's my big girls. Tell me all about your day. So I did. I said, oh, Mama, it was fun, and I'm the best speller in the class. But Mama... I never found Marshall Jr. and Louise. Can we call them to come over now? And the kitchen just got real, real quiet. And Meg said, Mama, she doesn't know. We didn't tell her. And this little baby girl in me just screamed, screeched and cried and said, Then tell me what? I'm not a baby. Tell me. What is it? And then Mama said, Baby, white children and colored children don't ever go to school together. Marshall, Jane, and Louise will never be in school with you. And I remember I was just stunned. Meg, I started to cry. And Meg, who didn't always try to comfort me, did then. And she said, oh, baby, it's all right. They go to another school, and they don't mind. They have other friends, and you'll have other friends, too. You don't need them anymore. You just wait. You'll see. It's okay. And I just remember running out, and I went into my closet that was dark and little and curled up in a little ball, and I just thought I was never coming out again. It's not okay. It was not okay. I thought going to school was going to open up a great big world to me, and instead it started to close it down. I feel stunned all over again just talking about it. Even all these years and years and years later. I remember, Tony, when I had young children myself, and it was when all the whites were boycotting the schools and setting up private schools in the South. My sister had older school-aged children, and she said, she said, my children will walk the line. I said, Meg, they could miss years of school, and that I wasn't at all sure that I would have the belief that it would take to have my children miss two or three years of school while they walked a picket line, that I probably would send them where they could get an education, where they would learn to read. They're only going to get that time once. I didn't like myself very much. You know, I did hospice work for many years, and one woman I cared for, I left on a Friday afternoon, and I said, Bye, Mrs. B. I'll see you Monday. She took my hands in hers and said, Stay well, my dear. Be clear and do the best you can. Sometimes the best you can do is not enough. If there is anything that is primarily important in the world, it's the ability and willingness to be part of each other's lives. I don't think we try very hard. I wonder if we ever will. (laughs) 
That was today's morning story from Betsy Bunn, Marshall Jr., and Louise. I'm sitting here with Gary Mott. I got a question I want to ask you, Gary. What would you say was the most important thing that you learned in school? And did it have anything to do with the curriculum? No, I'd have to say that most of what I remember, lessons I learned, were learned on the schoolyard. Mm-hmm. I learned in fourth grade not to play chess in math class because <laughs> I got busted one time for that. Developing relationships with friends, with girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that happened in the context of school. You're out there on your own trying to decide, is what I'm hearing, is this what I believe? Yeah. Is this what I should believe? Right. Betsy is a Southerner, and the school system that she's talking about was in North Carolina. And uh, curiously enough, uh, one of the emails that we got this week was from someone uh, in North Carolina. Right, Gary? You have that handy? I'm an African-American male living in what's called a part of the New South in Charlotte, North Carolina. But most of all, I'm just a human being. And this is what attracts me to your podcast, stories about people in the daily walk of life. We all want and need the same things in life, love, understanding, and laughter. Keep up the good work. Mark Turner. A postdoctoral fellow at the Yale School of Medicine writes, All stories are great, but some stay with me longer than others. One story in particular makes me happy and sad at the same time. This story is Can't Let Go by Sonny Defoe, the story of his own relationship with the diabetes, which he's had most of his adult life. She writes, When I first heard this story, I was crying hard. The emotions were strong. My mother had died of diabetes at the age of 48 three years ago. This story helped me to understand what she was thinking and how she felt those last years since she always tried to hide how sick she really was. I miss my mom a lot, and when I'm feeling sad, I listen to this podcast and remember her and her life. I hope she's in a better place. Uh, Angela is the name of uh, our correspondent. And Angela, as uh, we told you, uh, we sent a copy of your letter on to Sonny Dufault, who was delighted to know that you know his story spoke to something in your experience, too. Tony, we also heard from uh, another uh, professional story listener. Uh, I'm a chaplain at a hospital in New York City. One of the rewards of this job is that I am blessed to hear people's stories throughout the day. Like Tony, I am paid to listen to stories and chose this line of work exactly for that reason. As I went through a period of job-related malaise recently, I listened to my first morning story rolling underneath Manhattan's west side on the number one train. I found the teller's candidness and Tony's joy in listening so inspiring that I bounded the rest of the way to work eager to once again enjoy the blessing of hearing people tell me their stories. I just wish I needed file transfer software (laughs) so that I could support Ipswich. That's Rabbi Mark Popofsky. Thank you so much for reminding us of the value of listening and also for the value of having Ipswich near you, if not directly involved in your life. Uh, We thank them every week for helping support this podcast Ipswich, a leader in file transfer software, as the rabbi says, I-P-S-W-I-T-C-H dot com. And be sure to get in touch with us personally at MorningStories at WGBH.org. And we've got a web presence as well at WGBH.org slash MorningStories. 
Spend some time with stories. They'll do you some good. And listen, now that there's not a piece of glass between us and Antonio Oliard, Antonio can actually be heard. Say hi, Antonio. Hola. Hola, Antonio Oliard. And uh, adios from us, and we'll see you next Friday with another morning story. Catch you then.